Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldajanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. Hello and welcome to my Friday Five. I hope everyone is happy and well. Enjoying some lovely sunshine, hopefully, and maybe a generous blast of fresh air. So good for our immune system. And on that note, I'm going to be joined today by a brilliant immunologist, Dr. Jenna Macciocci, author of the best-selling book called Immunity, the Science of Staying Well. It's a great book for our times, if ever there was one. But first, some news and notices, a few emails and messages left for my team and me on our various social media channels. So we had this uh, lengthy email actually from Iona, which I might just pricey. She says, I'm writing to say a very big thank you from me since finding Liz through Instagram and having a very kind birthday gift subscription of the magazine. I've learned so much about health, well-being, exercise, self-care and more. Lockdown has been a very difficult time for all of us and deciding to open an Instagram account to help being at home and then finding Liz and the well-being team has been an inspiration. The vital information with regards to HRT, which I thought was a quote, closed door to me, having had terrible experiences of it in the not too distant past, and now finding new hope and positivity through my GP. Isn't that good? Um, then she goes on to say various other things. She's using the resistance bands with Instep, which is great. Uh, she's enjoying the Liz Loves discounts. There are so many positives I could carry on writing forever, she says. So very grateful. Um, this one from Andrea. Oh, I like this. Short and sweet. I love all that Liz does on her channels and have learned so much about fermenting and menopause. Yeah, there you go, Andrea. Two subjects very close to my heart. Fermentation and menopause. And then this one from Molly on Instagram, who says, this is about the Life Code GX nutrigenomic testing, which I've spoken about here before. And she says, my Life Code GX report is so useful. If nothing else, I've been able to pare down my long list of supplements. It was getting out of hand. Very informative and helpful, the one-on-one -on -one with the nutritionists. It is on the expensive side, but overall worth it. Thank you, Liz, for bringing it to our attention. You are very welcome. If you want to know more about that, then and you will find that over on lizaltwellbeing.com over on the website. And then something else that I just wanted to shout out here, and this is, I got tagged on an Instagram post um, that came in, I think it was just yesterday, actually, from the Manchester Menopause Hive. So this is a doctor, Dr. Zoe Hodson, who I have podcasted with here. Um, and she has a great Instagram account, actually, if you want to follow her. 
And she wrote this quite long post, which I do urge you to go and have a look at, uh, all about menopause care and training. And she says that one of the resources that I wish every GP, and then she puts in brackets, especially those that write a load of cobblers in the Daily Mail, I wonder who she's talking about there, uh, would listen to, is the lecture that Professor James Simon gave to physicians in the United States about the Women's Health Initiative trial. This is the reaction I was sent by one of them after listening to it. He is an academic GP, so he's used to analysing research papers. He couldn't believe what he was hearing about the endless flaws with this particular piece of research, which has done so much damage to women's health. So the Women's Health Initiative resulted in women worldwide being taken off HRT or stopping it in fear. And the legacy still hangs over us. This is written by Dr. Zoe Hodson, by the way. So she continues, the lies are still recycled with sloppy journalism and so many women and healthcare professionals continue to be terrified of HRT because of this. Of note, this trial was done to look into heart health on HRT. It should never have been used to look at breast cancer data, as the controls were not matched for this. It was released to the press and the medical journals before being signed off by the scientists involved. And when the data was correctly analysed, there was not a statistically significant difference in the breast cancer group between the study group and the control group. Then Zoe says, this lecture given by this professor makes all of us here cry, swear, rant all at the same time every time you listen to it. If you have an hour or know someone who may be influenced by newspaper articles that should be shredded before leaving the production line, please pop over to menopausedoctor.co.uk, search James Simon and listen. And then she says, hard hats and duct tape may be necessary to stop similar reactions. I have listened to his lecture and I'm very pleased that the Menopause Doctor website have actually loaded it onto their website because it's a little bit hard to find on YouTube. So he is called Professor James Simon and it is brilliant. Do please take a listen if you would like to and share it far and wide, particularly with many medics. And the point about that really is to get good evidence-based information across. And when I looked at Dr. Zoe's Instagram post, and don't forget you'll find that Manchester Menopause Hive, that's where she is on Instagram. I then scrolled down to read some of the comments and they are heartbreaking actually. So many women have written, for example, this was a lady called Sam who said, excellent post, thank you for sharing, advised yet another woman to go back to the GP for local oestrogen. She's 74, has had numerous investigations for recurrent cystitis, vulval irritation, yet not one doctor, GP or urologist has ever mentioned or prescribed local oestrogen. Such a lack of knowledge. Then there was this other one here from Kaz who says, it's almost like they wanted women to feel dreadful for approximately a third of their entire lives. My mum was robbed. She was taken off HRT immediately many years ago without consultation or a buy your leave in sight. The medical profession acted like God and some still do. This from Sonia. My mother was taken off HRT years ago. She's 76 years old and her health, mobility and quality of life is dreadful. It's robbed her of a joyful life. 
Karen says, same here. My mum now has bowel, heart and bone issues, plus gets up five times minimum in the night to go to the loo. When I go and stay with her next week, I'll be talking about local oestrogen just so that she can get some sleep. I mean, and the comments go on. They go on and on and on. I'm not going to read them all here because it's just too depressing. But there is a bit of good news. And that is that there have now been over 10,000 Yes, 10,000 GP practices and surgeries right across the UK and Ireland who have now taken advantage of the free Confidence in Menopause training module. And this was offered to them recently by the newly launched Menopause Charity. And as an ambassador for the charity, I truly could not be more delighted or proud of this incredible achievement. Within the first month of launching, woohoo, what a way to go, 10,000 new training courses available now being taken up by practices across the UK. Well, talking about healthcare, as I mentioned earlier, I'm very delighted today to be joined here for a brief chat with Jenna Macciocci. Dr. Jenna, she's an expert immunologist with over 20 years experience as a research scientist, researching the impact of lifestyle on the immune system in health and disease. And following on from my discussions a few weeks ago with the NHS critical care consultant and founder of the Sepsis Trust, Dr. Ron Daniels, where we talked about the importance of good bugs as warrior fighters in our immune system, I thought that now would be a good time to further explore the subject in a little bit more depth here. So, Dr. Jenna, very warm welcome to my Friday Five. I'm delighted to be having this chat because I've actually been a stalker of yours on your Instagram for a while now, really enjoying your posts. So thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. Likewise, always a big fan of everything that you're doing. <laughs> Well, it's it, it's great. And I think, you know, when we talk about wellness and well-being, our immune system is is so front of mind, especially at the moment. And my regular listeners will know that I podcasted with Dr. Ron Daniels, who is the founder of the Sepsis Trust a few weeks ago. And, you know, one of the things that he was talking about was the potential concern of overuse of things like hand sanitizers and almost being too clean and that we've forgotten that perhaps some of the germs are good germs and, and some of them are, are not so good. And one of the reasons that I wanted to chat today was that I picked up on a post that you put on Instagram um, well, it'd probably be a week or so ago now in that we need to know more about our immune system and, you know, really accept and acknowledge that not all germs are bad. So as an expert here, I thought it would be really interesting to talk about getting the right balance. But can we first talk a little bit about your background? And because you've worked so much, haven't you, in the world of the immune system and you've written a great book on the immune system? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not quite sure where my fascination with the immune system started, but from a very young age, I was always really interested in the human body and why it went wrong, what kept it healthy. And um, I grew up in a, a tiny farm in rural Scotland and my mum was um, trained in, in catering. And I think she just always had this feeling that everything could be healed with like love or food or, you know, nurturing. Yes some ways and I kind of always was curious to explore the more fringes of conventional medicine and what the evidence was around that and so um, the immune system just seemed to have this allure as uh, offering the secrets to you know what keeps us well and that kind of was something I fell into and then fell in love with it and haven't stopped working in that area ever since it's been uh, almost 20 years now. Gosh so did you do sort of conventional medical training first? 
Um, I started at the uh, University of Glasgow where they offer a program in immunology um, and then I worked in various different areas. I actually started in infectious diseases, then more in allergy, uh, then autoimmune diseases and gut health um, before kind of returning to um, where I'm at. I'm currently at the University of Sussex where I, I do a lot of teaching to medical students and um, anyone who needs to know anything about the immune system. About the immune system, brilliant. And, you know, what I've learned, especially over this last year or so, is all the different strands mm. to our immune system. And I think so many of us have become more aware of terms like T-cells and ACE receptors and, mm-hmm. you know, killer cells and the role of things like histamine. I mean, where, where do we start, really, if we want to improve our immune system, particularly if we think forward going into you know, what will hopefully be, you know, a, a, a good winter for all of us having come out yeah. of the summertime. Is this a good time now to be kind of thinking ahead and think, well, you know, OK, it's great now we can literally make hay while the sun shines and get our vitamin D and all of those important things. What should we be doing to kind of better equip ourselves thinking about the months ahead? Yeah, I think this is a really great place to sort of kick off because it's a question I get asked a lot and it's a question I know that people are really um, uh, concerned with and thinking about. And I think the one thing to remember is that there's a part of your immune system that's not that doesn't work very intuitively. So sometimes we can feel like we're doing everything right, but we still get ill anyway. And so I think it's important to have in the back of your mind that there's some things we cannot control. Um, your immune system is kind of the product of all your life events. Uh, a lot of it's shaped after you're born. So, you know, you can't undo certain things that might have happened uh, in your childhood certain medications you might have had to have taken, you know, certain foods that you've eaten or even things like how you were born um, or how you were fed as a baby. So Mm. we can start from where we are right now. And I think that the biggest thing I would say to anyone is that it's about consistency in all the little things that you do. You know, we get very hyper-focused on one nutrient or a couple of different, you know, anti-inflammatory foods, but it's about the whole picture. Most studies that are coming out now are really showing the consistency across different lifestyle practices when you put them together is what's giving your immune system the best um, opportunity to function well. And also it's it's not like a binary switch that we kind of switch on and off, even though we do tend to talk about it like that, but it's a, a whole series of switches. So if you're thinking about, you know, what bit do you want to boost? Well, there there's so many different components. It's like, what do you want to turn on and for how long? Um, so you kind of want to just make sure you have a good balance um, of all the inputs that you need. So this would be your nutrition. You don't want to be deficient in any of the key micronutrients, so the vitamins and minerals. Um, it's not just about taking a vitamin C supplement. It's about mm. avoiding deficiencies across the board. And vitamin D is obviously the one that has been talked about a lot with with um, COVID um, and it's the one that it's hardest to get from food so supplementation is recommended but unless Mm -hmm. you have a a diet that you restrict in some way or have some underlying health issues then you know food first really is the best approach and Mm -hmm. the reason for that is that you can generally get everything you need from food and food comes conveniently packaged with other key things that your immune system needs that you cannot get in a supplement and that is fiber and plant nutrients so things like phytonutrients from um, 
from plant foods, so the, the polyphenols that give the colourful pigments. You have things like micronutrients, which come from fungi and yeasts, um, which are very uh, helpful for your immune system. And then, you know, um, all the fibre is having this uh, uh, fertilizing effect on your gut microbiome which is actually one of the key ways that we can access our immune system and support it in its function because the microbes in your gut are actually the educators of your immune system and we have a huge amount of immune tissue and cells located along that digestive tract and that's not only to protect this very delicate um, digestive barrier uh, that you know you're throwing all sorts of things in there and soloing stuff that's in your environment um, but what's happening there is not just staying there it's kind of like um, a walkie-talkie to other areas of your uh, body so you have a gut lung axis for example so what happens in the gut shapes your immune system there and then that is sort of um, relaying that information to the lungs and can actually uh, tell you how, uh, you know how well you can be protected from certain respiratory infections mm -hmm. and we started to piece together a bit of a jigsaw puzzle with with COVID and that we see problems with the gut microbiome in people with um, severe COVID and there's now a lot of uh, research studies looking at how we can uh, maybe use that to help people recover or in a preventative way it's still quite early days but yeah, that that that's really interesting, and I think you know a lot of people will have you know been familiar with the need to eat more fiber and talking about plant based fibers in our diet, but actually relating that directly to the immune system, you know, we might think of it in terms of bowel regularity, but the fact that it could have an impact in the immune function and support for our lungs is is quite an interesting thing, and is that because the plant fiber is this fertilizer so it is what helps to keep our gut microbes going and and really replenishing and strengthening our immune system yes exactly so you know those gut bugs are doing a lot of things in your gut they're maintaining the gut barrier um, which is very delicate it's very thin and if we don't maintain the barrier it actually means your gut becomes a source of unwanted inflammation so that can leak into the bloodstream and sort of switch on inflammation all over the body um, this is predisposing to a lot of chronic diseases it can also flare up certain um, um, symptoms in people who have underlying conditions as well so we need to feed those gut bugs properly so that they can keep that barrier tight now a lot of other things going on that the bugs themselves um, take up space in the gut that prevents sort of bad bugs from from getting in there um, and the, the bugs interact directly with the immune cells giving them sort of education on how they should respond and when the bugs eat that plant fiber because we actually are not very good ourselves at digesting it it's, it's we rely on those bugs to break it down they're producing basically they're waste pop products sort of metabolic waste that to us is really helpful and beneficial so we are absorbing that it's in our bloodstream it's traveling around the body and this can have direct effects on the function of our immune cells both in the gut 
and all over the body so that it can function um, to, to train them to be more anti-inflammatory, to respond better to different germs. Um, and, and these plant compounds can also have like anti-inflammatory um, and antioxidant activities as well. So there's a whole sort of plethora of different ways that um, this sort of interaction between what we eat, our gut bugs and our immune system is really kind of forming this basis for our well-being overall. That's really fascinating. In, in Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast Fat Mascara here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O, soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. In terms of dietary fiber, do you have any favorites specifically for the immune system? I mean, do you do you you know favor oat bran over fibrous vegetables? Or I know people talk a lot about inulin that's often in you know prebiotic or probiotic supplements as, as a resistant starch. People eat you know cold rice or cold potatoes for resistant starch. Do you think there's there's one type in particular that is is a standout, or is it just a mix? I think it's um it's it's got to be about diversity really because all those different fibers are going to work for different microbes and help them to do their job better and each microbe is bringing some different skills to the table so by having that diversity you're sort of um cultivating the, the best uh sort of diversity of bugs essentially um I think mm. that you know fiber has a bit of a bad rep in the UK we definitely don't eat enough of it um most of the studies show most the majority of us are getting less than half of what we should be and I think that's because we don't really know what fiber is by definition which I think you know we think of all brand cereals that kind of thing but really it's it's about um an abundance of different plants so we have you know the fructose oligosaccharides and inulin which are in the real aromatic vegetables like onions leeks celery asparagus garlic you know artichokes then we Mm -hmm. have lacto oligosaccharides that are in the legumes so you 
chickpeas, kidney beans, also things like nuts and soy, um, then oats um, and mushrooms have these sort of beta-glucans which are great and then the resistant starches are the things found in our cooked and cooled starchy foods so when you cook potatoes, pasta or rice or you and then you cool them again and this functions a bit like a sort of prebiotic fibre to really encourage um, those microbes to uh, break it down and then start producing these uh, beneficial um, um, metabolites I mentioned but also the phytonutrients so polyphenols they're something that people might be familiar with we hear about them a lot in the media um, they sort of make up all the the pigments and berries uh, and certain fruits mm. These also um, are really uh, preferred by our microbiome, so um, they help sort of unlock a lot of their antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties when the microbes are breaking these down. Um, so we really want to kind of um, look at the whole picture across your 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 week and say what are, what are you eating. So it's not just the fruits and vegetables, but are you including some whole grains, some nuts and seeds, some beans and pulses, even herbs and spices. You know the 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 fibres in the plants are often enriched in things like roots and leaves and stems. So, you know, a lot of the bits that we throw away when we, we when we cook um, are veggies, but we could actually be yeah, eating because they're edible and keeping them on. So the peel of certain vegetables that are edible or the leaves of things like cauliflowers, you know, trying to which mm. is where you incorporate that. And this is also reducing our food waste as well. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. I know that one of my favourite things to, to do at the moment is if I'm cooking pasta for the kids is I tend to pre-cook it and then cool it. And then yeah. once it's cool, pop it in the fridge for an hour or so. And then when it's time to eat, I'll just dunk it into some boiling water. Am I doing the right thing in that? Am I actually producing more of this resistant starch, which is going to feed my gut bugs? Yes, exactly. That's a really good way to do it. And again, it's sort of a good way people have leftovers, you know, potatoes, rice, sure. pepper, you know, then you can reuse that, make it into a different dish the next day. And um, also these sort of cold salads that include these starches. It's really nice to have in the summertime when we finally get some nice weather. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so things like potato salad, for example, where you cook the potato and you cool it and then you exactly. eat it cold. Yeah, yeah. And I would say, you know, um, if people are not used to eating a lot of fiber and you suddenly start adding in all this, um, uh, you know, to your diet, you might get a little bit of digestive discomfort. And I think you just have to sort of work up slowly with that. You right. Digestion really starts in the mouth. So you're really going to be chewing your food, um, starting that process to break it down. Um, and that's going to make the whole digestive process a lot smoother. So really interesting. Slowly. Yeah, I remember going to the Maya Clinic um, years ago, actually, to review it for, for a press article. And there you, you they, they sit you at tables, but you have to eat in silence and really focus on on your, your mouth and your digestion in the mouth. And you have to chew each mouthful 30 times. So, you know, you'd be sitting here in silence, just munching away. I mean, even things like boiled potatoes, which are quite soft. You know, you're supposed to, sort of, you've got all these people sort of almost counting almost out loud, you know, how many times they have to chew something before they swallow. But presumably that, that really is easing the digestive process because you, you, are, you are breaking it down with all those salivary enzymes before it hits the gut. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the 
best we should all probably be doing a little bit more <laughs> of that. more chewing yeah. <laughs> now you're you're a mum of of twins your your twins are six years old and I think you know every parent has a battle with getting fibrous foods you know particularly vegetables and things often into to children what tricks do you use to to, to boost your kids immunity through getting them to eat a bit more fiber yeah it's not easy so um I definitely don't have it all uh figured out yet it's it's a learning curve and every age presents a new hurdle um I do think that you you know you have to really start young so exposing them Mm. to as many different types of food as possible from a young age um getting them involved uh we also talk quite a lot about you know sometimes I'll make something and the kids are like oh I don't like that and I'm like, well, yeah, but, you know, sometimes you have to eat things you don't like. And tomorrow yeah. we'll have something that you do like. And they kind of accept it now. I think I've never stopped giving them something because they've rejected it. It's mm. always like, bring it back out, re-expose them to it. Um, yeah. With new ways to get them to sort of try it. We do talk a lot about, you know, why we always need to try new foods um, and I share things like uh, when I was a child, I remember vividly not eating, you know, tomatoes, uh, egg yolks, <laughs> something else. But now I eat all those things. So um, I just think don't give up. It, it, but I do think it's 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 a lot of hard work and it's a thankless task because there will be some times where, you know, that you just get frustrated. They don't want it. Um, but do try and, uh, you know, just continually small things to chip away and there you know I do sometimes make like pasta sauces and I have they're packed full of lentils and and loads of different veggies and stuff so that you know the kids have no idea what's inside it Mm, no that that that, that's that's a really good tip and something that I do uh, and have repeatedly done and my my kids now range in age from 30 down to 11 so we we span quite a quite a wide age range Mm -hmm. is they know that whenever they come to to eat and and sit at the table that there is a the the no thank you rule which is if they don't like something they have Mm -hmm. to have at least one little bit so Mm -hmm. that's the no thank you piece so you know if I say to them oh you know I've got five different veggies here you know and they say oh I don't like cauliflower I don't like beans whatever so it's like okay you can just have the no thank you piece then and you know my daughter my eldest daughter I'm sure she won't mind me sharing this she really doesn't like peas she's never liked peas and she is 30 years old and whenever she comes over to eat she knows that on her plate there is going to be the no thank you pea which will sit there (laughs) but you know what I have found is that over the years I think tastes do change our taste buds aren't static and you know my kids will will suddenly say actually do you know what I, I quite like kale or I quite like asparagus or you know you know to your point tomatoes maybe and it's because I didn't ever take them off the table they just had a tiny taste yeah and I think they do hopefully have a sort of relatively broad love of of food hopefully but you're you're right it's it's not easy as as I know every parent and carer listening um will testify can we just move on um before we finish because we've talked a lot about what goes on inside but something that um Dr Daniels and I talked about was the rise in over sanitization in the external environment and he was talking about the potential to breed superbugs on hand sanitizers that are being used all the time and he was really sort of cautioning that what do you feel about this continual sort of spray sanitization of everything from our skin to the surfaces around us are are we doing potentially more harm than good or not 
I think, you know, even before COVID, we were doing more harm. I, you know, since over 100 years ago, when we discovered that germs were actually what caused disease, we've sort of leaned towards creating more and more clean environments and decided that this is, you know, safe. But sadly, not all germs are bad. And we're surrounded by germs, we're breathing them in. Every single surface that we can see is covered with germs, but 99% of them won't hurt us. They're not infectious disease-causing germs. Uh, we cannot make our um, environment sterile, nor should we want to, because um, you know our environments have their own microbiome, which uh, shapes the microbiomes inside us. So the um, you know, the microbes in our gut that I just mentioned that are so important for our immune system. So I think this trend has been, you know, happening for the last 50, 60 years and we've started ill effects on our immune system. And then COVID obviously kind of caused a kind of another shift in that towards uh, more of a fear of germs and, and sort of, you know, in the beginning of the outbreak, we were being told to sanitize everything because we didn't know any yes. better. We didn't know how the virus was really spread. So people were scrubbing down their groceries and uh, deliveries <laughs> yeah. and all sorts of things. Um, I do think that, you know, we can't annihilate every microbe in our midst and, and even getting sick is quite normal. Um, I, uh, people are sometimes surprised when I say that, but we live in a world full of germs. We've evolved with germs. That's why we have an immune system. So getting the odd infection, you know, colds and flus, whatever, through the year it is quite normal if you're in a situation where you mix with people, because that's the main way that, you know, germs are spread. Personally, I don't use things like hand sanitizer unless I'm in a situation where I cannot wash my hands. So it kind of depends on people's individual risk um and that's something that people have to sort of evaluate but i don't think we need to be squirting it on ourselves and on everything you know at every turn throughout our day because ultimately it is um killing off the bad bugs and the good and we're losing that diversity in the environments that we're um, frequenting in the inside our microbes as well we're losing that diversity and we know that this is contributing to the rise in things like allergies and autoimmune disease even things like obesity and some metabolic conditions um are, are seemingly shaped by um you know reduced diversity of the microbes that live on us and in us so we need to have that relationship with our environment where we're you know nurturing it and there's some great studies where they they um took daycare kids and they enriched the environment that they were in by giving them more green space to play in more dirt to dig in you know trees and plants um and then they compared to another group of daycare kids and they didn't change anything else about their life but they found that after um i think it's like a three-month intervention the diversity of the microbes in the gut um of the kids that were allowed to be in green spaces more was uh, improved and we know that that's a really good uh, marker of kind of you know long-term health uh, and building a strong immune system so People should really value green space where they can. Um, I've spoken to many parents and who've had children in the last year who are, you know, terrified of, of their child um, meeting people and getting out there. And I think, well, if you're going to take them anywhere, take them into the park, take them into the countryside, expose them to natural environments because the natural environment has a microbiome that can um, help shape our own in a beneficial way. 
brilliant. Well, that's lovely and, and very timely, I think, for a message for the weekend. Get out into those green spaces, find them where we can, whether it's a garden or a friend's garden or a park. Jenna, it's been lovely to chat. I'd love to pick up again because you mentioned a few things there, which I think would be really good to explore another time, you know, particularly talking about allergies and autoimmune issues. So I'd love it if you would um, come back and perhaps talk about that next time. Can you remind us where we can find you? Can you remind us of your Instagram and any other social media handles and, and your book title? Of course. So yeah, I'm on Instagram. That's Dr. Dr. Underscore Jenna underscore Machoki, which is M-A-C-C-I-O-C-H-I. And I'm also on Twitter at Dr. J Mac, M-A-C-C. And my book is called Immunity, the Science of Staying Well. And I guess it's available in all good booksellers. All good bookshops, especially the small independent ones. Absolutely. Jenna, thank you so much. Have a really lovely, happy, healthy weekend with your wee ones. And I'm off now to put some more lentils into my pasta sauce. So thank you. Thank you, Liz. Thank you very much, Jenna. Fascinating stuff. Apologies for the little dip in sound quality. We are going to be getting ourselves back into the studios with our guests very soon. So hopefully that will just get better and better. And if you are interested in her book, it is called Immunity, The Science of Staying Well. And I gather there's a new book in the offing, maybe for next year. So good luck with all the updated research with that, Jenna. And I look forward to talking to you again. And let's not forget what Dr. Rondan had to say here on the subject of hand sanitizers also recently. He said it's just as good to use soap and water. In fact, it's better for the skin and, of course, far friendlier for the environment than the sanitizing hand gels and sprays packaged in single-use plastic bottles. And as Dr. Jenna pointed out, they may actually be doing our immune system far more harm than good. Well, that's about it for this week. I do hope that you have managed to catch the latest long-form edition of the Lizelle Wellbeing Show this week, where I chat to the wonderful forester and ultimate tree hugger, Peter Voloben. He has really been just such a pleasure to talk to, a joyful and fascinating listen, all about the heartbeat, yeah, the heartbeat of trees and how they can help to heal us. I really loved recording this with Peter. He joined me from his woodland cabin in Bavaria. So I would recommend that you take your podcast player or a pair of headphones and settle down under a tree in the park or in the garden and kick back to relax and enjoy this one. Well, wherever you are listening, I wish you a great weekend and a very happy week ahead. Thanks for tuning in. Go well. Bye-bye. everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O-L D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off.